Welcome to Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Join us in a sex-positive awakening adventure to help create a sex-positive world. Become part of a movement and start living a sex-positive lifestyle free of sexual shame and guilt. Adult Bedtime Stories is a Raven Slayer production. Adult Bedtime Stories is a show dedicated to bringing sacredness back to our sexuality and to learn about everything sexual. Allow the beautiful sexy creature within you to emerge. Each week the focus of the show will be on a different sexual topic designed to enlighten you so you develop more fully as a sexual being. This is a sex education that you didn't receive in high school but should have. Imagine for a moment that we could change the world and live a sex positive lifestyle. In our sex-negative world, the process of socialization teaches us to feel shame and guilt around sex. By adopting a new set of attitudes and values around sex, we can view sex with a new understanding, which is accompanied with positive emotions and the attitude that sex is a sacred act. I am Ladyboy Chi a sex expert, a life coach, and a sacred harlot. My life vision is to create a sex-positive world through adult education and BDSM performance art. Hello and welcome to this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. This is Mistress Gigi, or Lady Boy Gigi, and tonight's show is on the psychosexual healing through BDSM role-playing scenes. And before we get real deep into the topic, I'd like to say that I've had some amazing healing done through doing BDSM role-playing scenes. For many of us, we live in a sex-negative culture and we're taught to stuff away our darker emotions, things like anger and many of the emotions we're just taught not to express openly, just stuff them down. And it's through BDSM role-play that you can bring out those, some of those darker emotions and within the context of a scene and play them out and experience the emotion fully. And what that does is it brings us to a state of catharsis. It allows us to kind of experience and revel in the emotion and express it fully and I think that can be such a healing process, just that in and of itself. But even beyond that, I've experienced 
healing at much deeper levels through replaying some of the traumas from my childhood and empowering the inner child with safe words and being able to experience what I needed to experience for real deep healing to occur. Tonight I've got a guest with me, Paul. Hello. And he too has experienced some healing through BDSM roleplay. Do you want to talk a little bit about your experience? Yes. Um, so before I experienced BDSM, I had a lot of trauma when I was younger, some of it sexual, some of it just, um, you know, bad family life stuff. And there were a lot of feelings and emotions that I didn't really deal with. I just kind of put them away in a box and I would think about them sometimes but I really had no way to really deal with those emotions uh, very well and through BDSM I've been able to face a lot of those fears, a lot of the anger about what happened to me um, and, you know, realize that it's okay to have those feelings and it's okay to be hurt. But, you know, through BDSM, you are able to take those, put yourself in kind of a regressed place to the place that you were when those traumas happened but feel safe like one of the most important parts of BDSM is there is a scene and when the scene is happening you will experience simulated abuse but you know that the scene is going to end and when the scene ends like uh, a good dominant will provide aftercare for you so it allows you to go back to those places where you were hurt really bad and feel those things but know that there's going to be an end to it and then like when it ends there's a transformation that takes place and through like multiple scenes with a a trusted dom you can start exploring in depth those those um, emotions and feelings and that pain and really start to work them out And I'd like to jump in here and just say that in BDSM, there's a lot of paradoxes and things don't always look as they are. (laughs) I've had experiences where as a submissive, you, you would think by giving up power to another person, it would make you weak. But 
paradox occurs. And through the process, you become empowered. Many other paradoxes occur as you face your fears and face some of your traumas in a BDSM scene. All of a sudden, you become empowered. The inner child becomes empowered. And the trauma through the process of catharsis just kind of dissipates and you become stronger and more healthy emotionally. And I think part of it, you know, I have to look back at ancient Greek theater because it was the ancient Greeks that really kind of identified this process. And in ancient Greek theater, during, especially during tragedies, as the tragedy unfolded on stage, the audience wasn't passive like our modern audiences. They got down and pounded the floor. They wailed. They pulled their hair out. They beat on their chest. They just agonized as this tragedy unfolded. And what the dis Greeks discovered was that what was happening was people were experiencing what's called catharsis. They were bringing those inner demons up and allowing them to be fully expressive. And then after the performance, people would be centered and grounded and feel this kind of release of all that angst and tension and stuff that they'd been stuffing Mm -hmm. from living day-to-day -day lives. And that's an amazing process. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of the things that, you know, I was abused by my family, both physically and emotionally. And by the time I got out of high school, I was kind of a wreck. My self-esteem was rock bottom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And through the process of role play, I was able to value myself and feel empowered and powerful, which is quite the paradox of being a submissive and at the mercy of a dominant mm -hmm. <laughs> and a very sadistic dominant I had <laughs> back then. <laughs> uh, almost as sadistic as I've become now. <laughs> or maybe even more so. <laughs> and part of the process of, and for the dominant, the being able to be sadistic and beat someone and just enjoy the watching them writhe in agony is a very powerful release for us. And it's something we're not really supposed to do in our culture. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, you don't want to let that monster out. That's, you know, and men aren't supposed to hit girls or even young boys. Mm -hmm. uh, they're supposed to be very strong and powerful and not express these emotions and let these things out. But through the process of role play and with safe words and with with a safe environment, you can reach amazing new heights and mm -hmm. 
You do a lot of healing at a psychosexual level, very deep inside. I've even healed things like sexual shame and guilt through role play. Making a confession to my dominant of all my dirty little secrets. And one of the things that occurred for me was as I was forced to tell him these things, all of a sudden this great weight lifted off my shoulder and it was no longer this deep dark secret I carried by myself. It was something I'd finally shared with another person. And when I was sharing it, I thought, oh, he's not going to like me anymore. He's going to think, oh, how weird. And he hugged me and said, you know, that was beautiful that you shared that with me and supported me and said, and so I'd like to just say right off the bat, one of the things I learned is that with our emotions, we don't have right or wrong emotions. With our sexual fantasies, there's no right or wrong to it. They're fantasies. It's what we do with our emotions or what we do with our fantasies, what behaviors we perform that makes them good or bad. And I think that's part of what's the power in role play is that within a negotiated setting with safe words and safety protocol in place, you can explore some of the darker side mm -hmm. and open that door and bring a sense of catharsis to yourself. So any thoughts? Um, yeah, when, when I am in a scene and when something comes up that, you know, a lot of times things will come up that surprise you. And you're like, you realize that you didn't realize something was there that has been there all along. It's kind of a shock to the system. And, you know, it. you have to, to deal with it as it comes. And part of the role of the dominant is they, they take on helping to guide this missive through that discovery and you know as you were saying when you were sharing your experiences with your dom and you thought that they weren't going to like you afterwards the reason that that it was okay is because they had set up and experience an environment for that very thing to happen and it does help you like put things into context you know something that you couldn't even admit to yourself until you were like brought to this like crazy experience of catharsis finally it's there in the forefront and you have to like accept that about yourself and your dom has to accept that about you and a good dom will help you guide you through like that discovery and uh, you know once again uh, i would like to repeat because a lot of times in our culture we think 
oh, if someone's angry, angry is such a bad emotion. Or if someone's nervous, being nervous is a bad thing or anxious. Mm-hmm. And no, having anxiety is neither good nor bad. It's mm-hmm. it's an emotion. It's what we do with anger. If I were to get angry and go and hit someone in the face at a bar, well, that would be bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I take that same anger and in a negotiated role-playing scene, I took that anger out on an inanimate object, which I've done in the past, mm-hmm. <laughs> then that can be a very healthy way to express that anger and acknowledge that anger. And through the act of expressing it, it all of a sudden subsides. Mm-hmm. And it's like all of a sudden that, that it just lifted off my shoulders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I do like to clarify that because oftentimes we think, and especially with sexual fantasies mm-hmm. and a sex negative culture, we're often so judgmental about what's proper, what's right, what's mm-hmm. wrong. Well, there is no right or wrong in sexual fantasy. It's what you do with them. And we can have all kinds of awesome perverted <laughs> fantasies that we role play. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of people I know are into rape fantasies. Mm-hmm. Now, real rape is a bad thing. It's atrocious. Yeah. But through role play, we can act it out, mm-hmm. either as the perpetrator or the victim, mm-hmm. and reach this sense of catharsis. And I know that I've worked with people in the past that had been raped. Mm-hmm. And through role play, they were able to reach a healing mm-hmm. from the negative experience and demystify the process of rape mm-hmm. and come to terms with it at a higher level. Yeah. I I know one of the things that happens, you know, we were talking about these ideas and feelings and emotions coming up that you don't expect to to come up. But like the other thing that happens is once these things come up inside of you, you afterwards you can reflect and figure out where the seeds of that anger or that fantasy or, you know, that feeling that you, you don't like about yourself came from. And once you discover where these things come from you have you know more tools to work on those things and if it's something that is causing bad things to happen in your life uh, knowing where those things come from and why they're inside of you is the first step to like being able to to heal those parts of yourself And one of the things that I think is also important through role play is, and this is something that I've experienced in not just in BDSM, but in life in general, there is a power in naming. And when we can name something, we gain power over it. Oftentimes, when it's left kind of 
unnamed and in the background and kind of this in the fog, so to speak, Mm -hmm. it can gain a lot of power over us. Yeah. And I remember just one of the healings that I went through was when I I used to be bullied in school. Mm -hmm. And so we did some role play around that. And through the role play, I identified that, okay, this is, I was a victim in this and I could name being the victim i didn't bring this on myself Mm -hmm. it was through no fault of my own yeah and through the role play i discovered that i didn't have to be afraid of this anymore Mm -hmm. i didn't cringe anymore when other bullies were around Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can spot them oh yeah and so it gave me an empowerment to stand up to this and become empowered and be able to name it and say, okay, that's bullying. Mm-hmm. And that's when it happens in real life, that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I can put a judgment on that. Yeah. When we do it through role play, it's, uh, it's an amazing process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any thoughts? Um, like, I... I was bullied as well when I when I was younger and like one of the the main things that has hurt me through the years is uh re- like reacting out of fear to avoid ever making anyone unhappy and when you face things in a BDSM scene that are reminiscent of that that bullying and you are able to withstand it and 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 come out the other end better it makes you realize that the fear that you've had for these years of something bad happening because of someone's displaced anger that you were strong enough to with withstand it if the worst happens so you don't work out of that fear so much i think another th- dynamic that occurs during bdsm scenes is that if it's played well and you really get into the seen mm-hmm. at not just a physical level but the psychological levels you enter into almost a primal state mm-hmm. I think I'd like to talk a little bit about both the role of the submissive not just the role but the needs and the role and needs of the dominant mm-hmm. one of the things I started as a submissive mm-hmm. and I knew that I had this deep need to be punished. I think part of it was from some of the abuse I went through as a child, but even some submissives who've never been abused mm-hmm. still have this deep need for to receive punishment. To, oh, yes. To work through pain. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I discovered was that pain can be a 
purification. It can be a cleansing mm -hmm. of the spirit and the psyche. And by really giving control to a dominant and having them make you writhe and agonize, it's an amazing thing happens. All of a sudden, it's like you experience this anguish and then all of a sudden the pain starts transforming mm -hmm. and for me it transformed into this kind of erotic ecstasy mm -hmm. yeah the pain was still there in the background but something occurred that was just phenomenal mm -hmm. and I discovered that I needed this I needed it for healing. I needed it as much as I needed to breathe air physically. That's a physical need. I needed the pain at a psychological and psychosexual level mm -hmm. to experience it fully and let it, and I even learned how to embrace the pain and not run from it, not mm -hmm. try to block it, but to let it just wash through me. And for submissive and there's different types of submissives i mean yeah some are into pain some are into just bondage some are into many other things mm -hmm. uh, some are just into service mm -hmm. providing service but for each submissive they're getting something from it something yes. very powerful and very primal mm -hmm. and i like to use the word primal because trying to describe it it's there's certain primal forces that we can't really describe well you just have to experience them yeah i think for the dominant what occurs is they can let that sadistic side out mm -hmm. and they can ride the subspace mm -hmm. as they take their sub on that jour inward journey mm -hmm. And it becomes magical almost. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of look at it as dominant as a type of shaman. They're taking someone on an inward journey. Mm -hmm. And it can be very powerful and, uh, once again, very primal. Mm -hmm. It touches something very primal in my, in my cock when I'm beating someone. It gets it rock hard. <laughs> and... It's a very sexual, sensual, erotic, powerful feeling. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the words I can use to describe it, mm -hmm. but what it is, it's something deeper. It's something at a very primal level that gets released and opened up inside me, and it's very healing. Yeah. Very amazing journey mm -hmm. for both the dom and the sub anything you'd like to add to that so i think um on the submissive side one of the things that i struggle with is a feeling of like not being worthy of things and so you know when you're going through a, a scene that involves a lot of pain in that moment, you can think, use it to, like, 
in the moment be like, I deserve this. I deserve this pain. I deserve, you know, negative things. And then you go through the scene and you realize that like all of this positive transformation is happening and there's a th like a switch that flips where you're like I am worthy of all of this but it is not the negative thing that it seems like on the outside it's actually a positive thing and I am worthy of it I I am worthy of this transformation I am worthy of like having this chance for growth Mm -hmm. And as you're speaking, I was kind of thinking of some of the scenes I've done as a, both a dom and a sub where we were doing almost a type of confessional. Mm -hmm. Although we, were, as a sub, I was being tortured for the information mm -hmm. to share these deep, dark secrets with somebody. Mm -hmm. As a dom, I love extracting it from a sub. Mm -hmm. And I can see their their inner workings. Oh, I don't know if I should tell them this. And I inflict more pain. I say, you want to tell me. Part of you wants to tell me. Mm -hmm. And go ahead and tell me. Get it off your chest. And when they finally do, you just see this weight lift off them. And it's so amazing to had them reveal their deepest, darkest secrets. And it's kind of an honor as a dom to hear that mm -hmm. and to take that and then provide this kind of comfort and nurturing and praise of, you're so good to share this with me. I know how hard it was for you to tell me these things. And I can see what shame it's brought you. And I think you need a punishment because not for having these thoughts, but for keeping them hidden so long mm -hmm. and for trying to carry it all by yourself. And I think that's really one of the keys to it is that when you, in our culture, we're so isolated sometimes, mm -hmm. especially with the negative yeah. emotions. We think, oh, Everybody looks so happy around me. Mm -hmm. We don't see their inner mind talk. We don't hear their mm -hmm. sorrows. Yeah. And so we think w there's almost this illusion, oh, I'm the only one that feels this way. And by sharing some of this stuff, in a, all of a sudden it opens a whole mm -hmm. new door and we're, it breaks the isolation. Yeah. And I think by breaking that isolation and then afterwards, after the scene and after the cool down, mm -hmm. the next day being able to talk openly about it, it's, it was so freeing the first time I gave up some of my deeper, darker secrets. And the next day I was just so eager. I said, oh, now I can talk about this to him openly. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it was this kind of freeing experience. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting when you go to, like, either a play party or uh, just at any place. You know, we we run a, a sex temple at different uh, pagan festivals and Burning Man events and things like that. So 
it's really interesting when you get a lot of people who are going through similar experiences all at the same time together in one place and seeing them talk after their scenes with each other and like you know not only has this weight been lifted for one person but it's been lifted for multiple people and to see people interact like I think it's really important for people in BDSM to have a community of people that they can talk about these like things that they're processing through BDSM with each other um, because you know it 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 really does help you like realize that you're not alone that you know there are so many people who are going through similar things or people who are going through completely different things uh and you know maybe you can give them like a little input of something that like really helped you or they could give you the same input and it it really is a, a very like beautiful thing mm-hmm I would like to say one word about confidentiality. When you do some of the scenes like we were talking about earlier, like the confessionals or the extracting inf- very deeply personal information, mm-hmm. all parties involved should agree before the scene to keep what's said here, here. 100%. 100%. You don't share that information. It's something that's very... And there is this kind of honor and respect that I've had as both a sub and a dom, that I will honor this space and the people in it, and I will will respect their privacy. Mm -hmm. Because it is important, especially in our uh, sex-negative culture where people are judged so harshly sometimes. Yes. Now, to get into this, there are tools that we use. (laughs) It's not something that just happens arbitrarily. One of the tools that I developed, and you can use this particular tool, or there's many BDSM interest checklists out there, but I use what started as a BDSM interest checklist and turned it into BDSM interest evaluation. And the interest evaluation really takes a deeper look at what the submissive's interests are, what their fears are, where their boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And we fully go through this before we ever do a scene. Mm -hmm. And that way I know, okay, this submissive has, uh, I had a submissive once that she didn't like her ears touched. It just gave, gave her the willies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was a hard boundary for her. Yeah. And so by identifying where the hard boundaries are, and even doms can have hard boundaries. Mm-hmm. I've known doms that were, they wouldn't do needle play, didn't mm-hmm. like blood. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a hard limit for them. It just kind of didn't work for them. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was would have been a turnoff for them. Even subs, I've known that. It, oh yeah. 
And so we all have a different set of boundaries. I've also known doms and subs that love needle play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it can be very amazing. Yeah, that, that would be me. I love it. And so by completing this BDSM interest evaluation, you can identify where the boundaries are, where the fears are. What the needs are. And what the needs are. And what's off limits, what's on limits. And it gives mm -hmm. you a very powerful tool for negotiating the scene and saying, okay, for this scene, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And those are all within the boundaries. Yeah. And that's part of being con having informed consent as you go into a scene. And that's very important. Mm -hmm. BDSM isn't something you just play haphazardly with. You want to know what you're doing and know where you're going with it. And what and as a dom, you want to be able to take this up on a journey that's going to be amazing for your sub. Yeah, yeah. It's, I remember when I filled out my evaluation with you and you know, being surprised at like how detailed it was and it made me ask a lot of like hard questions that I hadn't really considered uh, before f before doing it. And it has helped us build, a, you know, a, a lot um, because it helped both of us know where the other one was. It also creates a bond of trust when you complete the evaluation. Mm -hmm. It's the start of the bonding process that only grows as you do more and more scenes together. When you get into that level of trust, it's more than just saying, oh, I trust you. It's a living trust. Mm -hmm. It's, okay, I'm going to tell you my deepest, darkest secrets as you torture them out of me. Or... I'm going to, whatever scene you want to do, you're allowing this to happen, mm -hmm. giving complete, and it can be very powerful. I remember I had a submissive who mm -hmm. checked off fear of electric play. Yeah. Fear of the violet one, mm -hmm. especially. And so I said, okay, when you're ready... We're going to work on this because I want you to overcome this fear. But yeah. we're not going to do it all at once. And so I was able to construct some bridge activities to help her face her fear. Mm -hmm. And through several months of doing scenes on a regular basis, I first had a violet one on a table, turned off, not even plugged in, in front of her while I did some scenes that I knew she enjoyed mm -hmm. <laughs> and gradually I said okay when you're ready I want to turn the violet wand on and have it humming while we do a scene mm -hmm. and so I turned it on when she was agreed to it mm -hmm. and it was sitting there humming and she kept looking at it nervously at first and after a while she started saying okay it's not so bad Mm -hmm. It's a background now. Mm -hmm. And then I said, okay, let's take it to the next step. <laughs> and I gave her a choice. I said, 
Would you like it on your hand first, or shall I zap your pussy first? <laughs> you can either... We're going to do both, but do you want to get the worst over with first, or build up to it? She says, okay, zap my pussy. <laughs> so I did. And she goes, she squealed in delight, and she goes, oh, that's not so bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now she loves the violent wand. <laughs> In fact, she's has quite a collection of mm-hmm. electrical toys and just loves it. Yeah. And it was through facing her fears. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is one of the powerful parts of BDSM. And I've worked with people with all kinds of different fears to overcome them. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it helps bring a person to a a better headspace and they grow and they become more courageous and well that's almost a misnomer mm-hmm. it's like I think part of fear the mechanics of fear is the more afraid you are of something mm-hmm. and don't face it the more it feeds on itself Yeah, but once you face it it kind of dissipates it does to some degree it also stays there but you're able to handle it like the fear never completely goes away i think it depends on the type of fear yeah yeah that's true some fears will completely go away and some Mm -hmm. it will always be there in the background yeah but even when it doesn't go away like you no longer avoid it the way that you used to. And that that the avoidance is where the troubles come in most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say, take a break for a minute and say that if you're interested in the BDSM interest evaluation, we do have a copy of it on my website, on, well, on my Patreon page. And it's free of charge. You can download it. And there's also a video of how to work with the BDSM interest evaluation. What to look for, how to conduct a BDSM interest evaluation. And it's a short video. Mm -hmm. And what was the name of that Patreon again? It's patreon.com forward slash ladyboygg. And it's capital L-A-D-Y-B-O-Y, capital G-I-G-I. And so go to Patreon, and when you get to my page, scroll down. It's near the bottom. It's the fir- one of the first uh, posts I did. And it has some link to Kajabi, where I have it available. And you have to put in your email address and then it will send you an email with a link to the page and you can download a printable copy or a copy that you can fill out on the computer they're both pdf files and then there's a short video to watch to learn how to use the interest evaluation and identify not just your submissive's interest, but as a dominant, I've filled it out many times to kind of see where my interests, how they kind of group and pattern. 
because mm-hmm. we all have patterns of interest and this can be a very powerful tool to identify not just what your submissive is into but also what you're into mm-hmm. and what you ha- where you may have some fears yeah and it it also changes over time so it's important to you know re- realize that this isn't just a thing that you do once and then never do it again it's important to kind of relook at it like every like few months like every 6 months go back through and see if anything has changed and you you'll be surprised how how much things will change on oh it. yeah <laughs> and while we're on the subject of patreon <laughs> i am seeking patrons for to help support this show and if you enjoy what you hear on this show and you've learned something give some thought to becoming a patron you can sign up at that page patreon.com forward slash ladyboygigi any additional words you did say you wanted to warn people that oh yeah on Kajabi when you do sign up it will send you a receipt saying I forget what Uh, like uh, uh uh, like purchase confirmation. Yeah, it's a purchase confirmation because it's set up under the purchasing system at Kajabi. Even though it's a free program, they still send out an invoice, but it's marked as free, so there's no charges. Now, while they're on your, your Kajabi page, don't you have a few other courses available? Oh, yes. At Kajabi, I have a lot of training if you're interested, you can learn about the psycholo- more go in more depth into the psychological and psychosexual side of BDSM. There's a whole psychosexual component training program to learn how to work with the psychosexual dynamics of a BDSM scene. I also have BDSM basics, just how to set up a scene and how to navigate a scene, and how to even um, negotiate a scene with a submissive. And there's intermediate BDSM training program, and then the advanced, where I get into all kinds of really sadistic, fun activities, and how to do them safely. Safety protocol is really big in my book, and on all the trainings, not just physical safety, but also covers psychological safety. All of that sounds really wonderful. And I'd like to kind of go move on to what can you do in a BDSM scene that is so healing? What are some of the areas you can go into in depth? And some of the things I've done is I've taken people on journeys where they were either afraid of something or they weren't sure about what they wanted to experience. And in our kind of judgmental society, oftentimes people have revealed to me that, oh, I have this really kinky, weird desire for such and such. I had one that had a really big kink for golden showers. 
being peed on. <laughs> and so I opened the door to it for them when they were ready. And I've done many different kinky different scenes that can really, I mean, you can fantasize about some of these things, but when you actually play it out in a role-playing scene, it takes on a whole new level of meaning, and it opens up a whole new experience level. And I know, you know, when I first got into BDSM, I wouldn't do three-quarters of what I do today <laughs> because I was so closed off. I let all that social conditioning and social angst kind of guide me, and I thought, oh, who would want to get into this? But a part of me deep inside, I kind of thought, ooh, that, that intrigues me at some level. And it was through getting into BDSM, and I think part of the healing process for me was that it opened my mind and my experiences to things that are so wondrous and amazing and beautiful, but thought of as kinky and bad in our culture. Mm -hmm. Have you had any experiences like that, Paul? Oh, yeah. So, like, some of the things that I've healed through BDSM and am still healing because it, it's not just a thing that happens once and happens overnight and it's done. It's an ongoing process. And some of the things that I'm, I've worked on a lot and am continuing to work on are dealing with past sexual traumas, uh, dealing with feelings of worthlessness and feelings of of fear i have used bdsm as a way to work on parts of myself i don't like a lot like uh, my inability to choose things and my through the discipline of bdsm like building some structure in my life that I was lacking. I've healed some of my perceptions of, negative perceptions of myself based on my darker fantasies uh, and, and realized that it doesn't make me like a, a secret monster. There's just so, so many healing opportunities in BDSM, and it's really one of the best resources I've I've ever had to helping me deal with a lot of problems that I didn't even realize were major problems in my life before I I'd started doing BDSM, and I've started to see results in my life that are are very positive. Hmm. And I know that for me, I think BDSM was what helped me understand the things I was telling myself, that mind, negative mind talk. It made me more aware. I think that's one of the really powerful parts of a BDSM scene is that when we get fully into the scene and into the role play and into the, especially the, pain or even in the 
non-painful activities like being bound and tied up with rope, all of a sudden our whole world shifts. It's like oftentimes we have all this mind chatter going on. We're thinking about the future. We're worried about past things. Maybe we're worried about the future. And we're very, a very small amount of our consciousness is in the present. When we get into a role-playing scene, all of a sudden we're in the moment. We are fully present with our play partner, whether it's a dom or a sub. And all of a sudden we're fully present with each other. We're in the here and now. And we're fully focused on what we're doing. It's something that's a very amazing magic that occurs. Mm -hmm. And I say this because often Tibetan monks spend years and years of meditation to achieve that state of consciousness. And one of the things I discovered early on in BDSM roleplay is that when I get into a scene, I'm fully there. I am fully, my whole consciousness transforms into the being fully present with another person. My mind's not wandering anywhere. It's fully there. It's fully attentive. And that's a good space to be in. How, I mean, think about it. How often are you fully present with another person? And when you're either holding the whip and flogging someone or you're being flogged, believe me, that brings you fully to the present. Your mm -hmm. focus is on the here and now. And as the dom, I'm watching their body language. I'm fully riding in their headspace and very connected and bonded with the submissive. It's a very powerful bond. And that's one of the things I noticed early on when I went to some of the early pl BDSM play parties. I noticed, wow, these, the Dom and the submissive have this very special type bond with each other, much tighter than anything else I've seen. Any thoughts on that? Um, so the the bond between a dom and a submissive is really really interesting because you know they they call what you do in a bdsm scene a uh, power exchange you as the sub are giving your power up to the dom and they are receiving that that power and it's a tremendously like it's a tremendously powerful experience uh i hate to be redundant and use that word so much but it is there's something that takes place when you engage in that power exchange that like creates a like a strong bond that's completely unique that's unlike any other relationship you can have with another person and that's one of the 
thing, the mechanisms that allows for a lot of this healing to occur. And once again, I think we're getting to that, the primal levels of BDSM, mm -hmm. which you're touching on this power exchange. It is, it doesn't, it happens at first as an agreement, but then very quickly moves into this kind of primal element that occurs between you. Mm. <laughs> and I know that for me, a lot of people look at BDSM and they think, oh, how can they be getting anything out of this? This is sick. This is weird. But when you get dig a little deeper, there's so much going on beneath the surface. When you look a little deeper than just the physical occurrence, so much of BDSM is an inward journey, an inward journey in the mind and the spirit. Yeah. And it's something that I think pain and, or even sometimes just control between of the dom over the submissive transforms us for both the sub and the dom. It transforms us into a whole different level of existence. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, like I said earlier, instead of saying, oh, I trust you, you're doing a living trust when mm -hmm. you get into a BDSM scene. <laughs> yeah. It's not just, oh, I trust you. It's like, I trust you with everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it becomes a living trust, a trust that's, it touches primal levels within us. That, And when you experience a primal trust like that, it does bond you at a very deep level. It's, it's, it's amazing dynamics that occur mm -hmm. in a BDSM role-playing scene. Yeah. When you said that, like, on the outside, it's hard for people to tell what's going on, that reminds me of when I first got into BDSM, like, several years earlier, I experienced, you know, I had seen some, some porn that, like, had BDSM elements in it, and it completely turned me off. And at the time, I thought to myself, like, isn't it sad that these people who are clearly so damaged that they have to do this with one another, you know, if... If they could only get some help, they wouldn't have to to act this out. And then I started, you know, a few years later, I wound up uh, in the middle of, like, a group of friends that were all into BDSM, and they all seemed like really amazing, wonderful people. You know, they had some problems, but not a lot. And what I realized... Uh, is that in a lot of cases, those people were working on their problems through BDSM. So when I had thought, like, oh, isn't it sad, like, if these people could get help, they wouldn't have to do this. What I didn't realize is that is how the people were getting the help that they were needing. And that's, once again, one of the paradoxes of BDSM is that on the surface, it looks like, oh, this is sick and depraved. 
And when you dig a little deeper because of the safety protocols and some of the other protocols we build into scenes, it becomes a fully dynamic power exchange. Mm -hmm. I'd like to say another word about this that's a little change of topic. When we get into a BDSM scene, oftentimes what's going on is very much deeper. And I like to kind of look at how theater works. When we go, or movie, when we go to the movies and we are watching something that we're really deeply engrossed in, all of a sudden we become the hero, we become the, the villain, or we identify and we're transformed into this magical make-believe existence, living it out at a certain level of consciousness. Well, when you do a BDSM scene, you're living it out even better than in a movie. <laughs> it yeah. becomes even more real than the movie because mm -hmm. <laughs> you're no longer a passive audience. You're a full participating part of this that's coming across in the scene. You are the scene, and it's very powerful, dynamic, and very primal at certain levels. Yeah, definitely. But with that, I think, wow, whole hour's already gone by. <laughs> with that, I think we'll come to the conclusion of this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Is there anything you would like to add? We're thinking about adding an, a new feature to our podcast where we are asking our listeners to send in questions. And at the end of each podcast, we will answer one of your questions. So if you could go to the iTunes and leave a comment with a question, we might answer it on one of our future editions of Adult Bedtime Stories. Yeah, and we'll, we'll take some of those questions that I think, how can I put it, curious people are itching to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what do you want to learn about anything sexual, anything sensual? What would you like to know? Is there any burning questions you have that you'd like to hear answered on this show? If we don't know the answer, I will research it. And I know many sex experts all over the country that I can call upon if you are able to find a question that I can't answer myself. But I have a pretty good bank of information on sex. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And this is a great way that if there's something that you're curious about that you can't really ask anyone in your life, it's a great anonymous way to ask those questions that you've always wanted answered and get an answer to it. And don't forget, I run Aphrodite's Temple. I don't think there's a question that can make me blush nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> People have tried. <laughs> mm -hmm. But with that, 
Have a good night and enjoy those nocturnal emissions. Good night. I find it interesting that adults in our culture are not provided with informative sexual education. Even married couples don't have access to an adequate sexual education and how to pleasure each other. It's assumed that somehow we will instinctively know all that we need to know about sex. I don't know how you feel about this, but I think there's a better method. I would like to invite you to join me in developing a sex-positive lifestyle with freedom of sexual expression between consenting adults. Join us each week to learn everything sexual. Add your comments about the show and any suggestions you have for future show topics. We would love to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you won't miss any episodes. This concludes this edition of Adult Bedtime Stories. Are you ready to experience nocturnal emissions? Sex is the final frontier. So explore everything sexual.